who cares if the facilitator is wearing sunglasses? So the first thing I have to ask regarding this statement is what does that even mean and where have you heard this? Yeah, but I'm having a problem because I don't know where you are. I know you're there somewhere. It'll be a tab you're not in, in my your... dock. It's not a tab in the dock? No, and it's not a tab in Chrome. Where am I? Oh, here we are. We're, we're, okay, sorry. Okay, all right, that's fine. Um, okay, so... so what's your question? Yeah, so the statement is, who cares if the facilitator is wearing gl sunglasses? This is a statement that we made, but what's the, what's the origin of that statement? Where does it come from? Why does that matter? I was trained first by a corporate team building company that I interned with in the 90s and then as a college student and then just general like folklore that if you really want to be a good facilitator and connect with your group, you'll always let them see your eyes. And it got to a point where it was like, you cannot, like if you're wearing sunglasses, like, oh my God, that person's a terrible facilitator. <laughs> That's one of those single source things that, yeah, I heard it from multiple sources, but I never challenged it. And yeah. I'm a person who I don't generally tolerate sunglasses or a lot of things on my face. So it doesn't totally affect me. But now when you pause and think about it, like literally who cares? I have plenty of colleagues who wear sunglasses and it's never impacted the quality of the facilitation whatsoever. And in fact, I'd go as far as to say that maybe it detracts from the experience because you do your utmost to try to... I, I was taught, one, don't wear sunglasses, but also that if you're standing in a circle and then the sun out, you stand so the sun's in your eyes. Yeah, I definitely have taught that too. I so still that do that out of habit. So that it doesn't blind people. Now I do that too, but then I realized like in doing so, both without sunglasses and standing in the direct sunlight, that I'm really struggling to be able to concentrate on what my spiel is, what I'm talking about and my framing and everything because I can't see anyone. So right. I also don't, it's problematic for both parties and it's actually better if you've combined those two to stand with the sun facing you and wear sunglasses. Because if you did both of those things in, in in alignment, one, everyone else doesn't have to have the sun in their eyes, and two, you can see everyone. Well, and I think to get a little bit anthropological about it too, or, or even from a, like a sociology perspective, it's like, who gets to decide these things? And it's such an American or Western philosophy that eye contact is the most critical thing. Well, not in all cultures. In some cultures, eye contact is threatening, it's rude, it's all these things, and yet we're trying to be this international field. Mm -hmm. But a lot of principles about facilitation come from a Western perspective. And people like who we met at, at ACCT are like trying to apply some of these principles not successfully with his communities and where he works because they didn't they didn't culturally fit with his populations. The other reality, unfortunately, is that a lot of people, and I often make this like hands up if scenario. A lot of people really struggle with eye contact. Even yeah. if we were doing our utmost to try to do that, most of the other people maybe in the group aren't doing that anyway. And we set this precedent, especially if we're training, that that is the thing they have to do. And they're immediately hit with a really struggling social thing that that's the first rule. Hey, so you know, facilitate, try to maintain eye contact. Well, what happens if you don't, exactly as you suggested? Does that therefore make you bad at your job? Because you don't do that. Right. And I know that I've struggled with that. Like I've intentionally, I've, I look down and I'm like, okay, I've got to look up. I've got to look up. I've got to look up. Mm -hmm. um, 
And then what that sometimes does is that I'm focused so much on the eye stuff that I'm not worried about the stuff that's coming out of my mouth or I forget about what I'm saying. Right. I lose my train of thought. And then like, who's, who's that serving then? I focused on this one thing that I don't think is that critical. Right. It tends to be a bit of an individual pet peeve. Like I, I hear often from like individuals like, oh, I don't like that people don't look at my eyes. And how many things on this list that we've created are somebody's individual pet peeves. It just happened to be somebody who has a huge platform and is very influential. That's the mm -hmm. problem is that yeah. they then become accepted as fact. I had a very interesting conversation with my husband, Jim, the other night. And because I was in a meeting at work on Tuesday and, and Chip said, well, what does professional mean to you all? He's like, what the heck is a paraprofessional? Can you imagine what an absurd term? And the way that Chip said it, it was like, yeah, that's an absurd term. Anyway, so I asked my Jim, what's professional mean? He goes, professional means that you have the skills and the tools to do your job. And I was like, oh, okay, so professional doesn't mean like you look a certain way. He's like, that has nothing to do with being professional. Professional means that like if you're an astronaut, that you have a, an astronaut suit. And if you're a tennis player, you have a tennis racket. And he's like, that's the end of the conversation about professional. So it's just so interesting to hear. I mean, obviously he understands that that's not a socially acceptable definition, but I really like that definition. Like I can be a professional facilitator and wear sunglasses because that's the equipment I need to do my job effectively. There's going to be this, like we referenced in a previous episode that one of the big topics ACCT was the qualified part, like what makes someone qualified to do their job. In no way when you're writing a criteria of qualification, would you write dresses appropriately? I can't imagine. And if you did, uh, I'm not sure it would be very well received that that, is, that means you're therefore qualified to do that. Like a qualified course professional must wear khakis. You know, like, like you would never have that. But I think that there's, it sort of opens up the door to the outfit the the uniform almost of what it means to be an outdoor professional and it's a little bit of a like a bit of a joke around that too that there's a certain look that people who yeah. come into our field you sort of know that when you wander around a conference it's like oh you could tell they're challenge course people it's a sort of inside <laughs> joke on that um essentially it's a baseball cap a beard and then um, plaid. plaid yeah so if that if that's trio aligns then they must be in this industry but I and with that applies to us too. I mean, we're not exempt oh, yeah. from, from that. But I do yeah. think that there is something that like, I've got more comfortable wearing hoodies. Like I'm wearing one now and in, I would say professional settings, right? Like I wandered around the conference at one point and I was wearing a hoodie. Yeah. And I go, I'm comfortable with my fake nails. They're so fun. Yeah. And, but I think that we're almost fighting against some of that traditionalism around the way that things are looked upon, the way that we look. And I think that that, that's a that's a hard point for some individuals, but I think that that's a. But once again, does that make or not make you good at your job? The things you wear, the sunglasses or the clothes, and the reality is, you could do this job in a beautiful neck uh, tie and a suit and all that kind of stuff, and you could also do it in board shorts and and a, a vest, right? right? Like yeah. it doesn't change your facilitation. I think it changes the way that people look at you. But I think that's also changing. I don't think, I don't know, I'm speaking for me, I don't think if someone came in and was facilitating for me and then showed up in a suit and a tie, that I would think they're any more professional than someone who came in wearing a hoodie, facilitating our kind of work and presenting in our work. I mean, there's a lot of cultural stuff to override. And, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, you understand American culture as well as I do. Like, 
we could say all this stuff. And yet, if someone showed up to interview for a job and they were wearing board shorts and flip flops, mm-hmm. we would all notice that. It's interesting. I agree with that. And I also think as well, this is the hypocrisy of it. If I was to work with a corporate group, like it was like a boardroom or something, and it's like, and they were wearing shirt and tie, I would too. Yeah. I w- unless it was like high five logo wear, but I would feel uncomfortable wearing a hoodie in those environments. I and I don't like that I would feel that way, but I do think that that's the reality. Well, I think that gets into that chameleon concept of like, you know, as facilitators, a lot of times we want to present ourselves to be readily accepted into the group. And if we come in and we're so at a 90 degree angle from them, it's going to, it's going to, you have some more social stigma to override, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to dress differently day one from my state police job than some other job, just because I don't want my dress to be a source of mistrust for them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I feel comfortable saying that, but I just said it and I meant it. Like, yeah, it's hard. I, there was a Trevor Noah on The Daily Show. I think it was right around the pandemic. He made the decision at some point to grow his hair and start right. wearing hoodies. And he yeah. had a, I'll link a description a link in the description to the video. He talked about like this very subject, because I think that this is, but for him, like at some point someone yeah. said like, oh, are you excited when the pandemic's over to get back into the studio and start wearing a suit and tie again? And he was like, I don't think I ever will. Like even <laughs> if I go back... I don't think I will. Now, I will say, I think he did. <laughs> I think towards the end, tail end of his time on Daily Show, mm. I know the hair, he still grew his hair. But I do think he went back to a suit and tie. I'd be intrigued to know what the thought around that was because maybe there's some pressure from corporate or something. But Or maybe, yeah, I mean, we're speculating, but maybe he also just felt self-conscious being the only, like that. Would, that's the thing. It's like we want to fit in. Mm-hmm. A lot, also, I think. I worked, when I worked at, in a school in England, I was a teaching assistant. And I wore a suit and a tie. I, I wore a shirt and a tie. And I actually kind of like how I looked. So there's that part to it as well. Like, it, the, there might, I think it more towards comes down to comfort. Like, right. how comfortable are you? Or are you doing it because you've been told you have to do it? Like, I worked for a YMCA that made us wear green. It was one summer, it was like a green polo and khaki shorts. And we looked like we were zookeepers. <laughs> and it was like the irony was not lost on us that we were about to in, have all of these kids come in <laughs> and we're all dressed as zookeepers directing the parents. You're like, I wonder, I hope, I hope they're not thinking that we look like zookeepers, That's but we absolutely funny. definitely do. Yeah. I had to show up to a facilitation job with khakis and a polo and I just, I wasn't myself all day. There is something to do. Not only, I think that the sunglasses is it was where we started, but there is a thing about physical, at least for me, about the way that I look relates and correlates to my confidence programming in terms of like, we, we, I know that we share this, like getting our hair cut before a program. Like there's something about it. And I was talking to the, my, my hairdresser about this, saying that there's huge, I wanted to like say like there's huge value in the work that they're doing in terms of not just cutting hair, but there's a psychological component to like yeah. the work that they do. That also brings a lot of pressure because I was telling it was, I was a new person cutting my hair, but I was telling like a story of when I went to a barber shop and I don't, instead of a hairstylist, they like buzz cut me like a whole hair and I, how traumatic that was for me. It's like, that was my first time getting my hair cut in college. I used to get my hair cut by a family friend. So I never went out to a place to get my hair cut. And so that was my first experience paying for, to get my hair cut myself. And it was a disaster, but I was saying like how 
dramatically affected my confidence. But still to this day, that's still a component of like, if I look, if I feel like I look good, or at least that makes me feel good, I feel better to be able to do my role. By the stipulations of you must wear this, or you must wear this, or you must do this, how it negatively impacts my overall confidence in my work, which is negative to the program. I mean, it would be an interesting exercise for me and you and anyone else who might hear this recording to when you see somebody who is wearing sunglasses or who is not sort of dressed, quote, for the facilitation occasion, ask yourself, like, what assumptions are you making about that person? And does this thing that you're noticing really take away from the quality of their facilitation? Or do you think it does because you've been trained to think that? right? Like, do you really think that? Or are you relying on single source story? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's this concept of like, that people don't actually care about us anyway. Like, you know, not in a, like a, you know, it seems like harsh, not in the way that we think we, they care, right? Like if, right. You, if we went in, my hair was messy. Like this is a, a nightmare scenario for me. I travel and I forget to bring my hair products. I know this is like first world problems. Would anyone even know? Like nobody no, would know. No one would know. No one would care, but I would care. Right. And uh, I think that about like any of this stuff, I don't think that if I put sunglasses on that someone was like, I can't see their eyes. Now they might, but they're so worried about themselves and their own comfort and things that they might be saying that they might be embarrassed about or all of these, their own insecurities that they're not really focusing on yours. Well, and I would even say, oh, I can't see his eyes, but I would want people to then finish this sentence. So therefore what? <laughs> What's the problem? And that brings us back to the original statement, which is who cares? The end. When do I get my check? So that's a perfect way to end it. Who cares is the ultimate end to that, that question of sunglasses. Thanks for listening to Vertical Playcast. And then what about thanks for listening to High Fives Podcast? Can you do it? Okay, try. Thanks for giving. I think I'll pass the guy. <laughs>